Good evening, Patriots, and it's Friday, at the end of Friday, May 5th in the year 2023, the end of Cinco de Mayo. I'm kind of sitting here tonight reflecting on a really interesting week and reflecting as well on the amount of intensity of negative that just keeps pouring out of these elites and all their institutions. So tonight, I want to kind of walk down a different path. I don't know if we're going to be anchored. We're always going to be anchored in a relationship in God, and we're always going to be anchored on that rock of faith. I don't know if I'm going to be walking in Scripture or not tonight. When I say that, I don't know how much I'm going to pull that up. But I do want to explore an idea of the power of our quiet prayer. I want to kind of walk through some of the rationale of where I think that they want us to be and why we keep ending up in this endless cycle of stupid. And I don't think we have to be, but I think we're doing it to ourselves. And I'll explain more of that as we go. One thing we do need to be aware of is that in this time, it's important for us to take control of our lives. And to take the responsibility to grow our own food and to do everything we can to sustain our life in a way that is sustainable without the structures and requirements of a technological man. Technology takes many forms. Some we need at this point if we transition out and some we just need to learn how to use simple implements that have been developed over time with the wisdom of time. One of those is tread light, broad forks. And this broad fork is something I use. I have a number of them, in fact. And they're just an awesome product. They're a wide base digging tine with multiple tines developed in such a way that when you dig your beds, it's a way to do a no-till bed. I've used them extensively over the last three years. This is the third season. I've abused and used and abused the Treadlight Broad Fork that I have. I love the company because it's a small family company. They have taken the feedback of their own use and the customer's use, and they continue to improve the tool. The first time I came across a Broad Fork was when I was studying John Jevons' method for bountiful gardens on how to do double-dug beds, and that went back to the 1990s. And no one was making a broad fork. Today, this broad fork is made by a, a family, a, the father of the family who is, he was designed it, has engineered these. He teaches industrial classes, like um, Votech classes for high school for fabrication. And he's, it's just a fantastic product. So you can always find these links below the podcast, but head on over to Treadlight Broad Forks. And it's uh, it's Treadlight, T-R-A-D-L-I-T-E, broadforks.com. You can find the link below and you'll get free shipping. They're a fantastic product. I can't rave about them enough. And it's the right type of business for America because it's a passion that they've had and they continue to do. And it's a product that we all can use that you're never going to have to buy more than one unless you need more than one but it'll last you for a lifetime. So check it out, treadlightbroadforks.com. I I really think that a lot of the reason, let me back up. We're living in a world where they literally spend trillions of dollars on advertising, media, fake news, and persuasive and aggressive policies to intimidate and invoke fear from movies to the media, the news media, to music, to teaching now that they're coming after the children and the, and the families to policies, the draconian policies of our government, everything ultimately, the majority of everything that they do is geared towards painting a picture, which always comes out negative. And I've really been giving this a lot of thought this week. 
And so I want to pivot back on the story that I gave on Wednesday, which was the day that I installed my bees. And I went down to check on them earlier tonight. And what I did, there's a restrictor that you put in front of the hive when you first set up a hive. And it creates a very small doorway, about wide enough for maybe two bees at most wide. And you do that for a couple of reasons. One, it creates the, the focus of the hive stays in the hive, but it also more importantly, it protects the hive from predators and intruders while they get themselves established. And so today I went down and I pulled that restrictor and you can flip the restrictor around because it has two, two openings on it. One is small and one is a little bit wider. And I put the wider opening on it. I'm just learning bees, so I'm walking you through a process that I don't know a lot about, but I'm learning quickly. And each of the hives got a little agitated when I did that. They, I was wearing my bee suit. No one, none of them stung me. I talked to the bees, which I was laughing at today. If someone had told me a week ago I was going to be talking to bees, I'd be like, sure. But I was talking to them, and they seemed to be responding pretty well. And they do respond to the intent, I think, of a lot of what we're about. And this is why this parallel is so interesting to me because my intent is not evil. My intent is good. I'm trying to help them now opening up that opening. So there's a little more room for them to work. And with that, there's an opportunity for them to get in and out easier and get a little more airflow in the hive. And the hive could, could have been getting a little hot today. It's hard to tell. What was interesting is when I pulled out that restrictor and changed it, there was a pretty good little what I call a bee gaggle, right on the front of the hive. And I've, I've checked with Brad Cummings' wife, Kelly Cummings, and I checked with Michelle at Resistance Chick, Chicks. And both of them gave me the same feedback, that that was perfectly normal. And like I said, I'm, I'm kind of trying to learn and observe as I go. But what I found interesting is even though they got a little excited at one point because I pulled it out and kind of moved some of them out of the way because you don't want to crush them. Going to be, they're, they're a delicate, they're an amazing creature. They really are. They got pretty excited, started swarming around my outfit. And there was nothing, none of them got hostile. They were just kind of checking me out. In fact, later I went over and put my glove down where they were and let them crawl on my glove. And it really became evident that my intention was being read by them which followed a very interesting dream that I had this morning and just kind of seeing bees in a swarm. And, and this was, I was in prayer and I kind of drifted deep into prayer. So I don't know whether this was a dream or whether this was a God message. I can't be clear, but I'm taking it very seriously. I mean, I take, I mean, I take it as, a, as something to pay attention to. And I was sitting in the midst of, without any bee clothing on, I was sitting in the midst of a hive and I was moving my hands like an orchestra, like a director of an orchestra, a conductor. And the hive was literally moving to the rhythm and, and motion of my hands, which was pretty amazing. And I could see that happening. It was a real frequency. And was some interesting things that have happened here in the last couple of days. And I, I'm just processing, like I said here out loud, and it's part of where I want to lead tonight, which is intention. And I've talked to you a lot about the the frequency of when they, the buzzing of the hive and the frequency, and it's really interesting. It's very soothing. And there's many people that claim it's also very healing. Now I've mentioned to you that over the last probably two months, I've had a pretty significant injury in the back of my leg, which has led to some pretty severe sciatica. And it days, it's, it's all I can do to barely move that leg. It's, it's pain. It's been very painful. I can't put a cause and effect on this, but I can tell you this, that it was a very painful day moving around with the bees on Wednesday. And that whole day I was just consumed with, when I was around them, their, this hive buzzing, this frequency. And the next morning and every morning since, my leg has not felt, has felt better than it has in, in two months. I don't know if that's related, but I can't deny it. And I, can, I guess I can say I can't reject it, right? 
There is a symbiotic relationship in the world that we're in of things in balance. And in nature, when we observe nature, there isn't inherent evil. There is aggressors, predators, and prey. We see that in the wild. But in the general sense of things, there's a certain balance that occurs. And that balance is a very peaceful ebb and flow of things. Human beings tend to be outside of that most of the time. We, we tend to be roughshod over everything. We tend to stomp over God's message. We tend to run headlong into the wind instead of flowing with the water in the river. And we constantly are making wakes where there doesn't need to be any. And the metaphor is like sitting in a, near a pond and just enjoying the peaceful, quiet movement of the water and that when the wind blows. But when humans come in, we tend to take boulders and throw them in the pond and create all these wakes, which doesn't just create wakes. It stirs up the bottom silt. It muddies the water. It takes literally hours, if not days, for it to stabilize after we're gone. And yet our natural state is very much in harmony with the world. The, the balance with bees is a reminder of that because I am one who I've wondered how I would react to bees. I really have I've wondered how my response would be. And I have found that I'm totally at peace with them. In fact, I am at peace enough and I'm not doing it yet, but I've, I felt like today I didn't even, I could have done all that work and not had my bee suit on. And I'm sure I'll get stung at some point. That's not the issue. But there's no fear there. And they know there's no fear. And as they're checking me out and walking on my suit, they know that there's no fear. They're just kind of seeing who I am and what I'm up to. And they also figure out pretty quickly that my intention is pure. I'm not trying to hurt the hive. I'm checking on them to make sure they're okay. They have what they need. They've got enough food. What I call the upstairs restaurant because there's a feeder now on top of them which holds their sugar water allowing them to build out the, the comb so they can start having a, a true operable hive. And they're, they're just an amazing creature to watch. But they're not inherently, we, we have a picture of them being often hostile and angry. And there's angry varieties of bees that are easily provoked, but that's just the nature of them. These are very docile because these are Italian so let's look at the human model and let's reflect on this. There are literally, if we strip away this economy and we look at what is happening here, we talk a lot about the taxation, the debt slavery. All of that is by design a burden and an anxiety on the human race. All of that by design keeps us on edge of wondering whether we're going to be able to pay the taxes, whether there's going to be a tax manager door, whether you're going to get your property repossessed, whether you're going to get a lien on your property, whatever that is. And that in itself is a massive victory for control of humanity. And that negative is going to be perceived by a predator. It's a weakening of our presence, of our frequency and our vibration in the world. And it diminishes our trust in God. I don't care how many ways you dice that. When we are more focused on something like taxes than focusing on him, our father, we've diminished that relationship. And I guarantee every person in this country and probably every person in the world at one point or another has put more emphasis on their taxation than they have on the relationship with Father. That I absolutely agree with. So as we are moving through this walk in life and we start to take a pause, and that pause was really for me, it was a significant moment. And I had told you on Wednesday that I had been praying for a renewal of energy, a new sense of uh, rebirth in the focus and energy that I needed with all the things going on. 
And the thing that started out my day as most disruptive on Wednesday, which was the bees, I had a whole day planned of working web stuff and getting our tickets going, which by the way, Bart's tickets are on sale right now. Bart's Fest tickets, I forgot to mention that. Bart's Fest tickets are on sale. You can find them over on, just type in bartsfest.com. You'll go right to the site. They're on sale. There's a description of what's going on. Some of the speakers' bios are up. We'll have the rest of them up throughout the weekend. It's going to be an exciting festival. We're super excited. And we'll continue to give updates on the website. So check that out. So that was supposed to be Wednesday's focus, right? And what it ends up being is at 6 o'clock in the morning, I get a call from the post office, and they're like, your bees are here. And I'm, okay, they weren't supposed to be here until Thursday. And I had planned Wednesday to do web stuff. So I had to change my schedule around, which I honestly, I got through, had a great day Wednesday, but Thursday, yesterday was a pretty stressful day. And even last night, I I was doing a lot of praying. I had a lot of concern about getting this website ticketing up. And it just turned out perfect. And I mean, it's turned out great. It's working great. And uh, the Church of Glad Tidings and all them down there are really happy with what they've seen with the site. And they're excited to have us down there. And all those things worked out in balance. And that's just the way God works at times. You know, things get disordered. But the thing is that, that that renewal energy was given. It was given through that process of bees on Wednesday. And I really realized that. And it's given me a chance to really reflect, like I said, on, on where we are as humans. I'm not, I'm not going to portray the bee hive as a perfect society, but it's, it's an amazing society once we start to understand how it functions. But we're so chaotic. And I don't think that's our natural state. I think when we are told to love thy neighbor, I truly believe that that's at the center of our natural state. We look at that with all of these divisions as obstacles that be put before us as a hurdle we have to make sometimes to love thy neighbor. But in the true sense of loving thy neighbor, which is doing the best for them, I argue that that is the natural state for all of humanity. Unfortunately, we have an agent provocateur in between us and that natural state and relationship with God, and we've allowed it in. In fact, we've allowed it into our homes with the TV. We've allowed it into our lives through frequency of music and cell phones and everything else. I mean, we are just a noisy, erratic culture. And when you see that disharmony in the way we are, and you're standing within a vibrational harmony of a hive, it's a glaring opposition. It's a glaring juxtaposition of where we are. You feel the same thing if you're on a hunt, or if you're watching an elk herd, or if you're even if you're watching cattle. There's a certain balance in things. And that's literally the disconnecting from the, our, our source, which is the earth that God gave us to steward. So when we look at the world around us, and we are going to do as an analysis, if we do what we should do, which is to follow the money, where does the majority of the money lead? And where we find it a a significant percentage of the money in this world tracks into media, influence. It tracks into policies of control. And it tracks into movies and branding to make us want things and visualize things that are unnatural to our state. And the question everyone should be asking is why? It's not just a given. The way we answer it typically is, oh, so that is a product of the capitalist world. And I don't think that that's even begins to touch the tip of this. 
we know that we're living in a propaganda state, but I think it's far greater than that. Our Fridays are an experience every Friday on bended knee of prayer and healing, and our testimonies continue to mount of all the prayers and healing that have happened. And that is a, an intention that we step into and a declaration that we make through authorities given to us by God that we can heal the sick. And with that, casting out the principles of casting out demons, we we can individual has to cast out their own demons, but you can we can create an envelope. We can rebuke the demonic to allow a space for them to hear Christ. We can pray for people to come to Jesus. And we can declare miraculous healing that overpowers anything in this hospital system or any controls on this earth. And what's amazing is how many of those prayers are manifesting as true. So if we can manifest, create, and declare healing, what happens if we are, by influence, declaring hell on earth? And this is where I think we're getting caught in the witchcraft of this time. And we're not doing it because we are wanting to or desiring to. I think we're tripping up in their game, thinking that somehow we're, we're above or beyond their control. I think that so much of their spells and so much of their incantations and so much of their sacrifice is taking its many different forms, taxation, media influence, et cetera, et cetera. And I think that we are putting so much thought to it that I think we're working a reverse prayer and we're undoing our world by our free will. I think we are literally manifesting much of this evil. And I don't think we have to be subject to it. I think this is where the armor of God becomes more meaningful than ever before. I think that when we hear about the armor of God, we take it as if we're under attack, but I don't think it's just that. I think the armor of God is also our responsibility to go through those line item items and to literally go through step by step everything that's there and understand what our responsibility is in each of those to not follow through and not allow that to influence us and cause a negative result. Now, I've talked about something before, which I think for some, I think it gets a little sketchy, a fringe, if you will, on belief. And I've talked about the concept of quantum. And, and this is why, because I've never had a rebuke from my prayer of father in talking about quantum. In fact, I've had, if anything, I've had encouragement to continue to look at it. And quantum is an interesting concept and we deal with string theory and we deal with the pr- principles of multiple realities and I know that where many people will say, well, then we could have a reality where Jesus doesn't exist. I have no idea, by the way. I just know where we are. And I know that right now, when I look at this from an objective lens and I look at the reality that these psychopaths want us to be in, it's a complete mirror of what God tells us to be in. So somewhere in there, there's two realities that we're facing at the very minimum right now. I don't think that's even disputable. 
one is theirs and one is ours. And there's probably some in between. I don't, but I'm just being, I'm kind of oversimplifying, but for a particular reason, because whatever that is, and that's two competing realities. That's a split up in a path. And if there's two, there's probably more. And why do I say that? Because we are the children of the Most High. We're children of the infinite God. If God can manifest healing in somebody, here's an example of what I'm getting at from a different point. We pray for healing. And in our mind, healing is going to take a certain form. But invariably, God effectuates healing in a way that's purely perfect and godlike and it's typically never the way we think which right in itself right there would be a multiple reality outcome meaning we're thinking of one way god shows us another and that happens over and over we get through what seems to be impossible ways we lean into him he shows us a way that we never conceived those are in simple terms alternate realities and, and that may be uncomfortable for somebody, for some people right now in the framework of prayer. And, and hear me, I respect it, but I want you to hear this concept because I think it adds power and depth to not only our prayers, but to the magnificence of who we are. God is not binary. And anybody that believes that God is as simple as good and evil is fooling themselves. God is an amazing, massively dimensional, complex, beautiful, amazing Father, greater than anything we can conceive. And in all of this, there is always another way than the way we can conceive. We are truly the little binary creatures down here trying to learn about the incredibleness of the universe and all that he created. Yet we have this arrogance within us that believes that somehow we, we can tell what God is. I know one thing, God is greater than we can imagine. And he's beyond anything we can visualize. That should be pretty humbling to everybody. And yet, He's the most incredible, loving father we can have. And that just, that's like the, the conversations I've had before about Jesus. I've had the encounter, a physical encounter with the warrior Christ. And I can tell you that it's almost beyond words to describe the presence of that, the stature of him, the perfection and depth and brilliance of his armor, the omnipresence of his greatness, and yet the, the empathy and compassion of a heart with the mightiness of the most fierce warrior in the world. It's truly in a presence like that, you are truly humbled. And there is nothing in this world that can stand up to him. So in the warrior Christ, there is, on one hand, the delicacy of being able to hold an infant with the utmost care and love. And on the other, the fierceness and ferocity to lead an army of war angels at the point and slay the enemy with ruthless precision. That's the penultimate of a brilliant warrior. And I see all of that in Christ. And that's the complexity of the world that we live within. And yet our world here on earth, the way these psychopaths define it, always becomes very simplistic. Good, evil. Black, white. Compliant, terrorist. I mean, everything is a very rigid structure and it diminishes 
that whole sense of a complex, vibrant, and connected ecosystem. In fact, when you start to talk these things, they've done such a brilliant job in our world, including the pulpit, by the way, of making all of this sound like it's some sort of esoteric, bizarre journey. And it's not at all. All one has to do is spend time watching bees, spend time studying a flower, spend time paying attention to the behavior of any of the creatures on this earth, sit quietly in an old growth forest and listen to the voice of the wind amongst the branches. There's a majesticness of a complexity, an ancient sense of things that is so far beyond our very primitive verbal language and our clumsy walk with lug boots across the earth. And everything about this system is designed to keep us in that primitive state. Designed to make us hate, designed to make us long for physical things, designed to keep us ill at ease with how much money we make and how much money we get removed from taxes and how much our rent is or our mortgage or what food's going to cost. That beehive doesn't worry about taxes. They worry about predators. Those are real. That's a natural balance of things, but they have a system set up to deal with that. They don't worry about the source of food. They're a, they generate what they need and they build a, an empire around that. We have become disconnected. We have become separated. We've become individualized. Once you separate us from that sort of family and community, we become easily conquerable and isolated. When you take a bee and you isolate it from its hive, it will eventually die and die quickly, by the way. It doesn't matter how much you feed it. And that goes with pretty much any animal. So I'm leading all this to looking at our world and asking the question I've been asking all week. How much are we responsible for the state of things that we're living in because we keep feeding into this dark reality by giving it energy, by giving it focus, by giving it fear, by giving it anxiety? And how much do we spend in praying against it and telling Father, showing Father with our heart the world that we want to live in? And that right there is the key to me. If we will spend time sharing our vision of a world we want to be in. And we're praying into that. We're not giving them the benefit or the joy of knowing that we're feeding into their vision. I truly believe what I'm going to say here. And this may, again, make, leave some people ill at ease. And that's okay. But I want, to, I want you to hear what I truly believe. I believe these psychopaths do not have the ability to manifest anything. They can't pray to make things happen. They can't create alternate realities in their visions and their prayers. They have no connection with God and they have no connection with a force that can create anything. That's actually pretty scriptural. I believe they know that we can do all of that, that we can pray into things. We can move a mountain from here to there. We can heal, but they don't use it for benefit of us. They use it to, they use their powers of influence to manipulate us, to create the world that they want. And that's truly the darkest secret of it all is what I believe. 
And that's why they spend trillions of dollars every year trying to influence us to see and believe in certain things, which always ends up with them benefiting. And when you get into their conjuring circles or witchcraft, their nonsense, it's interesting because they don't talk about a relationship in God. God doesn't deal in material things. He deals in resources and the bounty of heaven, always centered on the love in him. And what we receive, we, if we get ourselves in debt and we're praying to God for money, that's almost witchcraft because literally we're trying to bring Babylon into heaven and have heaven give Babylon's resources back to us. That's not the way God works. There's a responsibility and accountability we have within our relationship with God. But if you go to a witch or a warlock and you say, I need money, they'll create a prayer circle and they'll do an incantation and they'll repeat it over and over and over. They'll say the same thing and they'll do so and they'll tell you to do so until you manifest the things that you need. Notice what I said, the things that you need. Heaven doesn't bring things. And yet that's what they live on. But in the power of manifesting a reality, of creating a heaven on earth, of bringing in love and healing, they can't do any of that. We can. And they know it. And they use it against us. And unfortunately, we go along with it. Instead of putting our focus, and I don't see people do this, everyone, but I'm saying as a collective whole, instead of simply spending our time focusing on a trade each day for a couple of hours to master a craft, to feel the Holy Spirit work through us, instead of spending true time in every breath, communing with God and letting him guide our every breath, we turn to the world, turn to our anxieties, we step into fear, and we're told 365 times, fear not. We walk away from that warning. We walk away from many of the warnings in Scripture because Scripture isn't read much anymore. In fact, we've come to a, a general position in society that we would, we're not going to read Scripture much. We're going to hear what people say about it. We're not going to read about it. And we end up willfully walking into these traps that we create, prisons that we create. Because the tools that we're given, which are of the one, of Father, as children of the Most High, are turned into carnival tricks and antics because we don't understand or value what Father gave us and we allow the enemy to manipulate us so that we just become another clown show in the circus, but always to their benefit. So where am I leading with all this? We need to spend time praying and sharing with God the visions that we have for the type of world we want to live in. We need to take time and read and understand Ephesians 6.10 from a different lens. So let me walk through it. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Okay, that means total trust in him and letting him work through you and knowing that his strength and his might is part of us in this world. Put on the full armor of God. Imagine that responsibility and that honor to put on the armor of God himself so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the enemy. Part of that armor is for us to be anchored in his strength and his might, which means that our thoughts need to be pure for that armor to do its best job. Because the schemes of the devil mean nothing then. For our struggles, it is not against flesh and blood. So those, the divisions and hatred that are being fomented between humans, we're missing it. That's where our eyes are. That's where our focus goes. That's where we always fall to. And yet it's telling us it's against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we already know it's principalities beyond our reach. And we're told 
that if we're sitting here in the full might and strength of God, and our thoughts are with him in there, that none of this other stuff, no matter who they are, will ever bother us. And instead, we're going to be able to love thy neighbor. Therefore, take up the full armor of God. That's a directive. And imagine being able to walk up to a general and say, General, I'm going to take up your body armor. It's a very personal thing. What trust has been given to allow that? It's amazing. So that you will be able to resist in the evil day. The offer is made. It's always a choice. Will you or will you not? But if you take on the full armor of God and you are truly standing in the strength of his might and the strength of the Lord, you know very clearly that you're stepping into perfection. You're stepping into an an unbelievable space where nothing forged against you shall succeed. And having done everything, stand firm. That just That's a trust issue. That means our feet are anchored in the rock of faith. And it means that no matter what we're feeling, when we feel that the whole world's falling apart and everything's getting too big, we're forgetting the simple first sentence, strength of his might that we're living in and through. Stand firm, therefore, having girded your loins with truth. Truth is the greatest weapon. There's nothing that can come to you. There's no corruption that can come to your thought. There's no corruption that can come to your emotions. There's no hatred, fear, anxiety, or anything that can manifest because we know we are standing with truth. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that's over our heart, which is where God communicates. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the most powerful sword ever, an ability to move and adapt with agility around all the enemy's weapons, in addition to all taking up the shield of faith, which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You've got the, you've put on your feet, the You've shod your feet with the gospel of peace. You've given yourself footing and agility as you held up this sword, this shield, in addition to your armor, because you're standing in the might of the Lord. And it's almost, you can almost feel the joy and the comfort of being there, knowing that anything thrown against you, you're going to be able to outmaneuver. And what are you bringing in your wake? Peace and unity and the love of the Holy Spirit. And nothing's hitting you. It's hitting the shield. And even when it seems like it's unbearable, as long as you're standing in his strength and you're holding, you're standing strong, nothing's going to hit you. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which which is the word of God. These are actionable things, not just metaphors. And it's all about us positioning ourselves in this world, which is consumed with the stupidity of binary thinking and in all sorts of corruptive behavior. And we are soldiers on the battlefield, given everything we possibly need. And as we are moving through this, with our feet shot in the preparation of the gospel of peace, and we have the word of God, we're literally changing, back to what I've been saying, the reality in which we live, from theirs to kingdom. And all that comes to is the clarity and focus in everything we do in alignment with Father God. And what that tells me when I get through with everything I've said is it explains to me truly why they spend multiple trillions every year to try to get us to believe differently than what Ephesians 6.10 tells us to do to win. It's literally, in my opinion, that simple. These people have the equation. They understand 
that once we've let our guard down and once we've stepped away from the word and once we're not listening to the instructions given, Ephesians 6.10 is probably one of, to 18 is probably one of the most read scriptures in, in the Bible. And yet it's probably one of those that is least detailed and followed. And yet, right in there is everything you need to be in this world, to create the world that we need and want, and to destroy the enemy with the power of the word and peace the kingdom brings. Just some thoughts. Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed to be assembled here tonight and we're humbled by all of the wisdom that you continue to pass and share. Father, this is an interesting time that we're so deeply woven into a thought matrix that constantly tries to draw us into the corrupted spaces of thought and temptation greed, consumption, fear, anxiety, just a list of negative emotions. Father, tonight we're praying for something very simple, to be strong in you and the strength of your might. To simply step in and say, I'm here, send me. And through that process, walk through each of us the armoring of ourselves to put on that full armor that you're trusting us with, to stand firm against all these schemes that the devil's throwing at us, to protect our heart with that breastplate of righteousness, to not let our heart be corrupted or doubt or hesitate, but to have the confidence of being a warrior, of being a warrior of you, of your as children of you, as the Most High, and to understand that there's literally nothing in this world that can ever bring us down, defeat us, grind on us, provoke us unless we allow it, and better. There's nothing in this world that can grow, can prosper, that can develop unless we allow it. So, Father, we pray tonight for that strength to say no more, to share a vision of this world in such a way that we start to share with you our dreams of what we want a world to be. And though we may not all be in agreement with what that world looks like, what we do know one thing absolutely for certain. No matter how we dream that world, as we dream it in the body of Christ, it will be centered on a very simple principle which Christ told us to do, to love thy neighbor. So, Father, let us love thy neighbor, and let us do so with the mightiness of you and the strength of your might, and let us do so with the confidence of knowing that we've put on your armor, and respect that honor for all that it is. And that now as we stand and face this, there's literally nothing to do but move forward and change this world. Guide us, protect us, awaken our hearts, Father. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Let's not make life more difficult than it is. Spend some time reading Ephesians 6, 10 to 18. Give some consideration to what it's like to step into that and do that every day. To walk that, not just to speak it. And let's not make this world more difficult because they want to make it complicated. I'll close with this. There is, you've, most people have seen a conch shell, and it's a spiral. It's known as the Fibonacci spiral. 
And if you look at the equation for the Fibonacci spiral, it's very much like multiple numbers that look like some variants of the number pi, which means that it's a number and a decimal and an infinite run of imperfect numbers that in that create ultimately the calculus of creating the Fibonacci spiral. And in fact, what it's telling you, in fact, even though science tries to tell you that the Fibonacci spiral is perfect, numerically, it's anything but. But there's something else I discovered that I didn't know existed until recently. And I say recently within the last three or four months. And there's something called the Krista spiral, which I just find interesting by name because it sounds very close to Christ. The Krista spiral looks very much like the Fibonacci spiral. Very much, in fact. It's almost exact, except it's not the same. Because the Krista spiral is made with perfect whole numbers. One, one and one and two. Two and two is four. Four is, and four is eight, and so forth. It's a doubling. There's no decimals in any of the numbers. And it creates the spiral effect that looks very similar to the Fibonacci. We're walking in the world of the Fibonacci spiral, where everything is some sort of number dot decimal point into the infinite. It's off balance by a key. It's off frequency by a decimal or two. Nothing is in resonance in balance. But when we walk with God, we're walking in the Christus spiral. It's a place where we walk where everything is in balance. Everything is perfect. Numbers are clean and whole. That's kingdom. I don't know. In this metaphor, the Fibonacci is the devil's work. It's mimicry and mockery. And when we pay attention to their noise and confusion and worry about their chaos, we're playing in that Fibonacci space. But when we step away from that and walk into the perfection of kingdom, the two worlds look very similar. The two spirals look very similar. But one is in harmony and one is not. When we walk with Father, we're in harmony. We're like the bees, the perfect resonance. It's where healing lives. It's where we find the perfection in the unity in the body of Christ. It's where we love thy neighbor. It's where all of those things become the constants rather than the anomalies. And so we need to focus that way. We need to spend that time in Father to develop the intimacy within him that we walk in his resonance, his frequency, his perfection, not in the imperfection of that Fibonacci world that we seem to be treading in too much these days. Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, hope you have a very blessed Saturday and Sunday. I'll see you Sunday night. Remember, Bart's Fest tickets are on sale. Hope to see as many of you there as we can get there. So I'll see you Sunday night. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deep.